Are you ready to get started or what? I'm, I'm working on it, man. I'm huh? getting there. He's in the process. Yeah, he's in the process. Yeah. He's in the I've, zone. I've only been... I love the title of it. Oh, you do? I do. Ah, another one. <laughs> We've had this deep conversation about even changing the name. Very deep. Yes. And, yeah. And, uh, and then every time we think about it, someone compliments us on the name. And then we'd say, well, maybe we should keep it. Yeah. I'm an ask for, I'm an, I'm an ask for um, forgiveness later kind of gal. Okay. Right? So you yeah. stay in trouble. Just do what you're going to do and then just ask for forgiveness after you do it. Yes. And that, that's kind of how we lead our lives. And that's where it came from. So. <laughs> I know the rules well enough to know when I can cross the line or not. And then I just make a choice whether or not I want to cross the line and then ask for forgiveness. Yeah. There it is. Perfect. Perfect. Well, and that's the, that's the reason why we kept the name of the show. We're going to roll with it. Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. Anyways, welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble. We're ready to go now. Adam Short, now. Adam Short is here. I'm here. I'm ready. Eric Humes is here. We've got a, a phenomenal guest today. Um, joining us is a well-renowned and published financial advisor, Lisa Chastain. Uh, she's mostly known for her book and her huge and wonderful speaking engagements. Lisa is a Las Vegas native, grew up in one of the glorious parts of town, went to one of the glorious high schools here in the Las Vegas Valley, just so you know. Oh, the anticipation's high now. Which high school? The one, the only. Are you ready for this? Don't, don't say me. Don't tell me yours. <laughs> of course. Oh, Welcome to Cheyenne High School. Cheyenne. Home of... The, yeah, home of the uh, uh, home of the shields, brother. Is it? Oh yeah. All right. That's All what. Right. That's what. So we had uh, our mascot growing up was um, it was my friend. Um, did you know Brandy? Did you know the mascot? Yeah. And so she rode out on a horse and had a huge Native American shield, and that was our that was our uh, our mascot was the shields. The desert shields is what uh, our mascot was, and. And uh, and so she would ride out as a in Indian garb on like a horse before the football games. Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember that at all. Uh, it was phenomenal. Looking back, we should have probably had a little bit more like you know Indian and cowboy. Like if I would do it to if I would redo it again today, the production obviously would be a lot bigger. So fireworks <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. I know that's what's in my head. I'm like, oh, I can't believe we didn't do that. Why didn't I come up with that before? So, um, yeah, so in all seriousness, we're here tonight, we're talking with Lisa, she's uh, hopefully going to share kind of a little bit of her journey on, so right now we got COVID going on and everyone's starting school. Um, Lisa does a lot of financial coaching, especially for, uh, for women, a lot of single women, divorced women a lot of times. And I, I think that's obviously sage advice for anyone. And it's even sage advice for married couples because, and, and that's part of her story is how she came from having a, a regular corporate job to where now she's in a position 
to advise people on their finances. And growing up, back you know, 20 years ago, the number one reason for divorce was actually finances. I, I'm pretty sure today it's still up there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it is, along with infidelity and, and other things. Well, so. yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes that leads from finances, right? It does. People get stressed out, and they're always looking for yeah. different, different ways. So, Lisa, yeah, you want to tell us a little bit about your story on how your journey, when you, you know, where you started in the corporate world, to how you came to help so many people and affect their financial lives? Sure. Well, you know, Eric and I grew up in the same area back then in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, the Las Vegas that we grew up in is not the same Las Vegas that we have today. I lived on a dirt road. Amen. Horses all around me. Amen. um, I don't even know how many square feet my home was growing up, but it was a pretty middle class home. My dad was a stagehand. He helped birth Siegfried and Roy from the frontier to the mirage. It's a pretty blue collar family. Um, I was barefoot most of my childhood. <laughs> I lived on an acre and, um, and I never, we never really went without, but also there was a clear distinction between the life that I lived. And then when I went to UNLV for the first time around collegiate kids, realizing that, wow, we didn't grow up with a whole lot. I believe we made the best of it. And I think that our high school experience, we had a really amazing high school experience, but public school, our county school district, one of the largest districts today. Um, It was humble. It was a humble beginning for me. And getting to college, my parents scraped by to get us all through college, which I'm super grateful for. I wasn't around money a whole lot. And, uh, And also no one really spoke to me about having ambition. I was ambitious. I was a student leader. I was student body president. Not common in uh, in for women in my in my family, especially a lot of the women in my world were stay at home moms. So thinking about how to how to then not be a stay at home mom, I don't know. Was there a future for me going through college as a student leader? I started to grow and develop understanding world religions, world politics, and realize there's this huge world out there. That we didn't grow up in, right? Eric? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like growing up in our part of town, same thing. Like horse country, I, you know, I've I've been bucked off a couple of horses, and when mm-hmm. I tell people that I actually grew up There's on the menagerie, explanation. yeah, there it is. <laughs> is uh, you know, I had goats growing up. We had chickens. We had geese. We grew up in a rural part of of Northwest Las Vegas, and you know, to see the Las Vegas that's a, a metropolitan, two million plus people. And is is it's actually completely different from so Adam grew up in in the another rural part of the backwoods, commonly known as Henderson, Hendertucky. <laughs> yeah. Basic high. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so Adam uh and so he has a lot of stories about the same thing. So when I think about like going out, so same thing, my parents, we, we my mom worked for the county her entire life for thirty years and then had another job at a at a bank and and my stepdad uh, was a greenskeeper, um, first at Las Vegas Muni, which is right across the street from Siegfried and Roy's house. So it was like not a big deal. It was like, oh, yeah, that's Siegfried and Roy's house. Like yeah. we drive by it every day. And then um, and then, uh, then he once Sun City opened, he moved up to Sun City. So, you know, my, my stepdad drove, drove the same 1979 Chevy Silverado stick shift which I drove to a glorious uh, first real job at Wendy's, which was the only fast food joint on our side of town off a corner of Rancho and Craig Road, for those that are wondering. Still there. And, um, 
And so, uh, you know, out there, I have a lot of, you know, sequences out there. And so Lisa and I grew up very similarly in those, in those regards, you know, our generation, and we've talked about this before, like what parents talk about my parents, like I never knew how much my mom made. Even when I talk about going to college, my mom would not fill that paperwork out for scholarships because money was just something you just don't talk about. Yeah. And then I think I did wrangle eventually out of her and she got upset because she's like, Eric, like I didn't qualify for financial aid. And she's like, well, I'm not paying a dime for your education. Yeah. So I was already out the door. So like, good luck, yeah, you know? Right. And so, and, and I think that's how our, our parents' generation was, is like, hey, you go do what you, you know, because at the time in this city, the, a lot of service jobs, you didn't require college. You know, I worked... You know, you talk about being in college. Uh, I worked at the Gold Coast where the Pro Cowboys call home, and I've shared some stories like that, <laughs> where as a valet, it was a wonderful job. It Honestly, so many fond memories. Yeah. A lot of us were all going to college at the same time, and that was normal. When I was going to UNLV, over 90% of the student body had full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Full-time jobs. That's crazy at, at a true, like, academic environment. Um you know, I was a cool kid in class with my beeper, beep, 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 coming to work, teach. I got to go take a phone call. So, so Lisa, you're, you're, you're going, you're, you're growing so much in your leadership positions. Tell us how, you know, post-college, where are you at? What, what's going on? Yeah, well, um, I, I hustled through college. I was a student leader. I don't think I slept a whole lot. I had three jobs. So my parents paid for tuition. Everything else was on me. And through that, I'll tie this back to finances in a minute. I learned how to work really hard. And I also had, I had a lot of respect from people that were on campus. And so as soon as I graduated, I got offered a job to be an undergraduate recruiter. But funny enough, they almost didn't hire me because I was so introverted. They didn't think I could do the job. It was the single best thing for me though, because it taught me I had to go out to local high schools in Las Vegas and talk to kids about you never leave Las Vegas, <laughs> right? Yeah. NLV. And get outside my own comfort zone and help kids understand the value of becoming a UNLV student, which I had a great experience as a student at UNLV. It sounds like you did too. And um, and then from the undergraduate recruiter position, I heard that the Honors College was hiring. So I put my hat in the ring for that. And over the course of the year, I, I was an advisor for the Honors College and became the director of the Honors College, well, director of advising for the Honors College. So I climbed up really fast to the ranks of UNLV. Meanwhile, also, I was someone who knew very little about money, thought I knew a lot about success. Mind you, my dad never made more than $60,000 a year as a stagehand. So when I was making $54,000 a year as the director. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. Right? And I was working toward the American dream. I bought a house. I did everything I was supposed to do in my 20s, or I thought so, right? I bought a house. I got married. I had a three-year-old son by the time I was 31, and I felt like I was at the top of my game. So at 31, I was like, wow, like things were going really well. Looking back now, I'm in, I'm 40. Looking back, I was overextended financially. I was overextended in workload. My ex-husband went through a divorce, was overextended, and we were just pushing and pushing and pushing so hard for our version of what success is. Those lessons going through divorce I had $100,000 saved in my 401k by the time I was 31, so I thought I was doing pretty well. 
it was all gone by the time I was 38, short sold my home, and I was looking at starting over again. So those were those were the tough lessons for me, not knowing what I needed to know about money, not not knowing what I needed to know about my career. When I left UNLV, I became a stay-at-home mom and things fell apart from there. Great value for me now as a mentor to young women to say, I get what it's like to struggle with money. Here are my struggles. I don't know it all, but I did do my due diligence. I learned about money. I became a financial advisor. It was not easy, but I'm so grateful to be able to say, hey, you can turn things around. And that's ultimately my message today. You're not alone and you can always turn things around. That's fantastic advice. So what I love about that message is I tell people this all the time about Vegas is Vegas is actually a great place to start over. Like so many people relocate here from California, New York, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, and they come here and they're like a new, it's, it's like a new beginning. And I'm like, because there's, I'm like, there's so many instances. They're like, oh, don't you ever get tempted? It's in the strip. Aren't you gambling full time? I'm like, yeah, there are some professional gamblers. Yeah. And you can get sucked. So, you know, just a, a, a little bearing of the soul. Like I had some family members who, yeah, who have, you know, gambled away all their life savings. And because the, the town can do that. But it's not the town. It's the town just gives you the opportunity. The you know, for whatever reasons, there were some back end emotional reasons that they did that. And, um, obviously there's addictions, you know, any addiction you want in this town is available. For- well, this town will pull out your weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the difference between Las Vegas than any other city. I think I haven't been to all of them in America is that if you have a weakness, this town will exploit it and open it up and let you know exactly what that weakness is. But if you have strengths, you have a lot of opportunity to really grow here. Yeah. So it, it has, it's like that, the darkest side, but also the lightest side all at the same time, you know? Totally. Yeah. I totally agree with that, Adam. And so like, so to hear your story, I think it resonates with a lot of people, Lisa, when you're like, um, you know, now you're an accomplished author, you've been on book tours, you do a lot of mentoring. And, and so you get, you know, you get to see the, a lot of fruit of your labor, whereas, you know, it sounds like where you're now, you, on Maslow's hierarchy, you feel that, you know, you're at the top, you're getting a little, lot more of the top because you're getting a lot more feedback saying, hey, what you're doing is actually benefiting other people. And whereas it sounds like, you know, I was, and that's where you get into a track of, hey, I'm after success. And so let's roll that into COVID because I think a lot of people are figuring this out right now. They're going, you know what? The same thing. I'm overstretched. You know what? Now that people had to stop, right? Even if they didn't want to, right? Ever the brakes are put on, the government's like, you're not doing this. And people are like, hi, yeah, Adam, I'm your spouse. We met like 18 years ago, right? <laughs> or, you know, or you know what? I've been in this daily grind, 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 grind. Uh, okay, the grind turned off for a second. And now all of a sudden you're like, it's like brakes. It's like brake pads on a brake rotor that's been gone on too long. And the brake, you pull those pads off and you're like, oh, we should have changed these a long time ago because it's been grinding on that. And and you know, the, the part about a brake pad, when it's been grinding, what happens to the rotor? What do you have to do to the rotor? You replace them. Yeah, you have to get rid of it. And yet, you know, 
you have to put new pads on all the way around. You got to put new rotor on. And so, and I think that's part of your message, Lisa, is that, hey, you know, I think we grew up. It, well, you know, there's differences. Like, you know, we had coach uh, Eric Nixick, who's one of the top UFC coaches right now. And he talks about being addicted to the grind because that's what brings success. But he even talked about, you know what? The grind for him started 10 years ago. And he's in a profession now where he wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was it in 20, he got there in 2009. So 11 years ago, he's been at this coach for the UFC. And I said, you know, we asked him like, how, how, what is it like to be coaching on the biggest stage globally in a sport where that's like fully highlighted. And some of the things he talked about was, because he didn't come from like a wrestling or UFC or even WWE background, right? And so now he's he's one of the top coaches for fighters. And the thing about that is he does it every day, every day, every day. But he loves what he does. That's the other thing, right? And I think that's the difference between, you know, doing something that you really love. You know, you talk about being in a space right now, Lisa, when you're like, hey, we were overextended. We were do, we were you know, we thought we had attained success and then in a matter of a little bit of time, it all burnt down and you had to start over. And so um, that's what I think people need to understand is there's a difference between just going to just waking up today going, you know, today's going to be a great day. You know, yes, it's going to be 114 today. My AC works or it doesn't work and I'm going to make it work. I'm, life's going to happen today and I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing. Well, see, and, and that's the thing I love about the name of your book. I love that. You know, it, it, I feel like it's, is that something you kind of told yourself at one point listening to your story? Is that where you got the name? Is that where you got the name of the book? I'm sorry. No, you're okay. My inspiration behind the book was that I don't know any woman in particular who doesn't regularly look at the, look at themselves in the mirror and be like, man, I got to get my shit together. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually say that a lot to myself too. <laughs> yeah. And it's the comparison game and it's a lot of reasons and that especially for successful people, we do a really good job of portraying that things are perfect and Facebook is a highly real, right? There's all kinds of stuff that we project out that we're doing pretty good, but behind the scene, there's always something for us to work on when it comes to money. Going back to your thought, Eric, with COVID is that you can hide a lot of problems when you're making money. Yeah. As long as money is coming in, you can hide and hide behind that income. You can stash things. You can hide credit card debt, all of that. But when the income stops, everything else comes to the surface. So I I believe that people are really having to take a hard look. And uh, from some references that I have in the community, um, family attorneys are really busy right now because now people have slowed down. They're starting to look behind the brake pad and discover that what they had because money was coming in wasn't wasn't a fit or that there's challenges now that they have to deal with that are really hard. So all of that I think is why I, I know I wrote my book is like, hey, we all say it, but let's get under, let's get behind that conversation. And let me give you some tools how to find purpose and also how to get your finances together. So one of my, actually I've been struggling with this for a little bit is uh, I, I hear that and I'm not trying to contradict anything that what you said, hard work is very important, 
But the struggle I have is there's a lot of hard workers out there. And I've worked at jobs that I have busted my butt at. But I'm still not going anywhere. And, and that, 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 that saying is, well, just work hard and you're going to find success. Uh, I don't know. I mean, so there's a, a little bit of hard work. There's always hard work. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. But it, there's some knowledge that comes with it. As I've gotten older and become a parent myself, I kind of compare my parenting skills to my parents. And one of my complaints, as much as I love my parents, one of my complaints is my parents never talked about finances. They never talked about savings. They never talked about retirement. It's just something they did not talk about. My dad believed you don't talk politics, religion, and money. Never mentioned that to anyone. So my entire life growing up, any financial problems I had or solved or good financial problems, I figured it out on my own. And I, I felt like that's where they kind of have failed. So with you being a mom and you writing a book, what kind of, do you agree with that? Like you need that knowledge with that hard work. You can have hard work all day long and go absolutely nowhere and you just work for someone else for the rest of your life and you make that, that good, probably good income, but just that average income. You're not finding that true success. Absolutely. And I think that the, the, the key component there is mentorship. What I'm hearing you say is that your parents didn't mentor you when it came to money. So how'd you learn? A lot of other ways. Yeah. And career-wise, career paths. I was a, I was a academic advisor. I helped kids kids figure out their career paths and their majors and what they wanted to do. And so, with with the combination of money and purpose, going back to that, hard work will only get you so far. I agree because of our mindset. And it's mindset plus behaviors. That's a winning formula. We have to learn how to connect the two and understand what's limiting us. Mm -hmm. My dad taught me to be safe. He never went for leadership positions at work. He never wanted to be a boss. He wanted to clock in and clock out. He wanted it to be safe. And that's what he taught us. Be safe. Find a government job. Make sure you have benefits. And I never played it safe. So thinking about the title of your podcast, right? Like that was never me playing it safe. Yeah. And I had to learn some hard lessons. When I found the right mentors, though, I was able to turn around and create new results. So yeah, work hard, but line up with the right people. And Eric, I know you do, you do this so beautifully in your in your firm. I don't know if the two of you are connected in the firm, but no, Adam has a, Adam's a Adam's a, a corporate uh, plumber. He, he's a government plumber, or what's your title? What do you call it? He's a manager. He's a he's a he's a a, a plumbing manager for the government. It, you, you can fancy it up all you want. I'm just a plumber. That's all. That's that's all I am. So he he is blue collar. Yeah. It, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you know. You know. You and I both had blue collar, and 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 Adam is blue collar. So he's our blue collar person on on the podcast. I'm the knuckle dragger. Yeah. 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 And so, <laughs> you know. And I've been fortunate enough to be self-employed for almost 20 years. And it's been, you know, all the things is like just to adverse, like even because my mom had always been conservative, like, um, you know, she was at a government job for almost 30 years. I realized and going back to even that valet position, right? It was a great job, but there was a ceiling. Like no matter, it doesn't matter how many cars we would park or how well we parked it and got it, like how fast. You're only going so far. You're only going so far. Yeah. And, and that's when I realized, and I realized that in college, I'm like, oh, uh, well, 
you know, this is not the path I need to be on because I need more self-actualization and I know that I, I, I need to get paid for my performance. And so um, there's that. You know what I wanted to ask going back to the family attorneys? So, so Lisa, are you, are you saying there's a lot more divorce coming down the pike? And so, yeah, and so I know earlier you talked about mentoring young women. What are you doing to prepare for those women who are going to come out on this other side of COVID? And and even I think it goes for, for both men and women because I think there is a lot more, and I'm speaking as a man, it seems like there are more, there's more equality in the Las Vegas job market, meaning, you know, we were, we were in Utah yesterday and, and we saw, um, some landscapers that like a whole crew of landscapers, they were all women cutting the grass. My wife's like, that's amazing. You know, like full on, you know, button down shirt, you know, big brim hat. And they were cutting the lawn, you know, running their own that landscape business I pictured at all. Well, I'm and sorry, then, I took it there, but yeah. <laughs> I apologize, I, I Lisa. Can see, I can see a Las Vegas landscaper capitalizing huge on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my mind went the completely <laughs> other way. <laughs> I, I apologize. And then um, she grew up here. She, come on. She I knows. know. I know. Couple car washes. Yeah, know. yeah. That I mean. <laughs> well, do you remember the uh, the bikini uh, barber shop? The bikini, yeah. And we had some class members who worked at that. So. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm I'm gonna have to get them on the show and talk about that experience. She has no problem. Yvette has no no problem talking about it. She's actually pretty proud on it. And um, and so uh, but what are you doing to prepare? Because I talk about this all the time when I talk to couples. Actually, is like. You know, we're kind of getting in that mid stage of life. We're in our forties, and and it's like, okay, you know, I try to. I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing to prepare? It's like, kind of, like, you know, hey, we're right here in midlife. Now we're like, hey, are you prepared for retirement? Are you, you know, like in your thirties, you know, and just like what happened in your own personal life? Like you thought you were preparing, you thought you were ahead of the game, rolled the dice and bank, you know, it, it all went down the tube and now you built it back up and now you're building it back up. And now we're in midlife. It's like, okay, what do we want to do? You know, you talked about having a young child in your thirties. Adam is a, a father of like 10. What is oh, dude. Oh, every time that number grows. I know it sounds better every time. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound better to me. Okay. It's only seven. It's I, only seven. I have seven children. And so I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. <laughs> and so like when you're, you know, we do talk about this COVID, like, it, you know, we're, we're jesting, you know, tongue in cheek. Hey, nice to meet you. And they're like, Oh, you know, because so many families get so busy and now COVID hit and they're like, okay, we're all together. Let's shake everyone's hand, give them a hug, like re, yeah. re, renew each other. And then a lot of times people are like, you know, I, um, there's someone in my bed and I really don't like, I don't like to share my bed or I want to go in a different direction. And so it, which we've talked about that there's probably going to be more, either more babies or more divorce. We're probably going to be both of more, both of those. So what are you doing to help prepare women who may have been stay at home moms? And, and I think it's even tough right now because in COVID it isn't like there's an outpouring of jobs. It isn't like there's so many jobs out there that they can't fill them. No, you employers are able to be a little bit choosier like we you know we 
recently just hired a position. We had over 200 applicants for that position and we went with the most qualified and the one that best fit our, our company. So what do you, what are some suggestions that you're telling people, Lisa, to prepare them? Like, Hey, you might be looking at a different, uh, future. Can you give them some advice? Give some of our listeners to some advice. Sure. Well, for someone who's uncertain about their future, the best place to start is to make sure that you get into a conversation about vision versus survival. Wow. What's your vision? The goal is not to survive, not to survive a divorce, not to survive your seven kids, not to survive your job, right? Right. Your goal is to find something worth living for and then working toward that actively. We know divorce wreaks havoc financially on both men and women. It's not fun, but you can start over. But but we don't we don't start over from a place of scarcity, fear, or wanting to hurt or harm the other person involved or anyone, right? It's just saying, okay, come back to yourself. Think about what's important to you. How do we get you moving in that direction? And in your 40s, it's not too late. The average millionaire loses their their millions three times and they make it back. So from that statistic, if a millionaire, what makes someone a millionaire? 80% of millionaires are self-made. They know the tools, they know how to make money, right? They aren't just lucky. So if you know how to make money, learn about money, educate yourself. I've got a very simple, easy, cheap online program. Start there, start by educating yourself and start by working into a new vision for your life. You've got to learn how to let go of the past so that you have an opportunity to start over. Money comes and money goes. That doesn't define any one of us. And I work with women who are really attached to their former lifestyle. Let go of it. Let's create something new and maybe even better. And so those are the conversations I'm having every single day. And it always starts out with, let's get you into a vision. And also, let me teach you the simple, easy things about money that you never learned. What's uh real quick, Lisa? What's the link though for our listeners? We'll we'll put it in the in the in the episode bio. But spell out the link for the online course. Did you I'll say say it again? I was over talking. You sorry. I'll say it. It's www.lisachastain.com. Boy, you said that so nice. <laughs> she has a great name. She has a, a a great opportunity. It's great when we have people on who you know. Obviously, all of our guests are, are helping people, and I love telling Lisa's story because I think it gives us all hope, right? It gives us sunshine. We know the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and tomorrow it's going to shine on us, you know? Um, and, and so that's what I love about it. And so I know personally, you know, we had Lisa at a, a women's event last year, and it was phenomenal. I got so much great feedback um, she was a, she's a wonderful speaker. If you're looking for someone to come in and, and help motivate, um, like it, like she said, divorce wrecks havoc on both men and women. And as well as I think something that you talked about, Adam, I mean, you're talking about those same things. You're like, Hey, my parents didn't mentor me. My parents didn't mentor me. And, and then that's another thing about, you know, us moving into midlife or even, you know, even a young person who's in their young 30s to even someone that we see in the 50s now, hey, guess what? The it, the day's not over, right? There's opportunity for everyone. That's that's what I love about when you said, Lisa, you're like, you know, don't have fear, have a vision, and have and have hope for the for, uh, for the future, and that's what really moves people along. You know, we you know we we talk about our different guests and 
and we talk about like, hey, what you want to do? Like Adam and I were talking about some of the projects he's working on. Um, Adam's working on producing some other podcasts for people, and we're getting a lot of requests for that. And he's doing a wonderful job with that. And so that's part of his future. That's part of his vision. And, you know, in both of us having kids, we're way involved with them. And so we're able to, you know, help them in, in their endeavors. And hopefully we'll be better mentors. Uh, Lisa, do, do you see now with, with the whole COVID thing, more women entering into the workplace? No, um, no, not yet. I think some of that is still going to play itself out over the next year, especially because we have a lot of people still on um, unemployment insurance and PUA and different types of assistance. As that runs out, just like any depression, I think everyone has to get to the table. We saw in World War II, right? Yeah. Women had to work, the guys were off at war. Mm -hmm. And also, statistically looking at the trends in employment, women have been climbing the ranks much faster in different ways than men. Mm -hmm. So that trend will continue. And also women own, we own the, the I think I, I might have shared the statistic, Eric, at the, the talk that I did last year, is that women learn that the ticket to upward mobility is education. So women own the majority share of every degree at every level, starting with associate's degree all the way up to the PhD level. And eventually that will catch up in employment and um, it, it definitely has not caught up in pay yet. The women still, we're 90% we're behind men in earners. And that's where I think we'll see the increase, continued increase. Uh -huh. But yeah, in terms of, of, of back into the workforce, I think we've already seen that. See, so what's something I was thinking is with, like what you said with your dad, and, and I think myself included is, uh, I thought I lost my volume there. No. Uh, you get to a point where you're comfortable and then all of a sudden that comfort job goes away. So now you don't have that comfort job. And usually when you get so comfortable after so many years, like hypothetically, if your dad lost his job, that comfortable job he had for so many years and he has to go out and find something new, I think that would be a very slow process. And I see maybe more wives that are usually stay at home moms entering into the workplace to cover that loss that lost wage. I read in the paper the other day, um, not actually the paper. I don't know why I say that. It's online. I, <laughs> I don't know who gets the paper anymore. But anyways, that uh, Time Met, a company that's been in Henderson for many a decades. Long, decades, are closing their doors. And Southern Nevada not being an industrial community, we don't have other big industry like that, like steel mills or anything like that. A lot of those men and women that have been working there for so long are now going to have to find new professions or pack up and leave to go where some of the other factories are. I can see why men, some main earners have to go back to school, go back to training. Their spouses are going to have to pick up the pace and, and help with that income. That's where I was getting with that the, that question is seeing if more and more women are going to be entering the workplace to cover for men or their husband's jobs that are now gone. Yeah, absolutely. Men are the masters of manual labor. And as some of those factory jobs change, women have a lot of transferable skills and mm -hmm. can, can shift. We're in definitely a more equitable workforce. Not that we are everywhere we want to be, right? But that we're definitely in a more equitable workplace where women can do that more easily now. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's happening. I'm sure that's happening. I don't know the statistics on it, but it is. 
And then, you know, we have, we have huge opportunities here that are moving from manufacturing to packing plants. Yeah. For example, with Amazon coming and mm-hmm. sports coming, the, the, the work is going to be different, but the jobs will still be there. Same thing with tech. I see a lot of tech coming in. Henderson is still working on that big Google yeah. uh, facility. I don't even know what you call it, Google Campus or whatever you know they do in there. But yeah, the, those those bigger type companies I think are moving in, and we're. I, I think it's a good. It's, I think it's a good balance to have a balance between entertainment and other industry in a community to keep it going. Yeah. Because we notice when when we shut down that that entertainment came to a screeching halt. And then it's the other industry that will keep a community alive. Definitely. I think Nevada's, Nevada identified the need to diversify years ago, and we're moving slowly there. And um, and I think that we have more to go. But I was a part of a group called the Stat Pack. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they do regular regular economic updates, just like real estate has the real estate updates. Is that with and, uh, um, Jeremy Aguero? comparison of jobs that are being outsourced, uh-huh. looking at the next 10 years. And administrative type jobs were already on the trends to be outsourced. I think COVID is just going to accelerate some of that. So we yeah. didn't see COVID coming, but we're going to see a lot of jobs outsourced and transitioned into robotics, technology, AI. That was already happening. COVID, I think, is just going to say Whoop. a lot of companies are going to shut down and, and move that forward. It, it, it's definitely an interesting time. It, it, it's a time that a lot of things are changing, and I think what's making it so weird for a lot of people is the change is happening such at a rapid rate. You know, Mm -hmm. we kind of knew all this was coming. People have talked about it. Politicians have talked about it, all kinds of stuff that we're going to move towards this world. We just didn't think it was going to be in five months. (laughs) So, so that's kind of the crazy part of it all. Yeah. Lisa, we really appreciate having you on today. Once again, listeners, if you're interested in taking some financial courses, they're super affordable. Um, are you doing Zoom classes as well? I know you used to do group lessons. So now she's doing Zoom group lessons. Is a www.lisachastain.com. Um, I can't uh, plug Lisa enough. She's a great speaker, great friend. And we love having you on the show today, Lisa. Where can uh, uh, people get your book? available on Amazon. Okay. Awesome. And the S is a dollar sign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not really cussing. It's just like kind of yeah, cussing. Right? Technically. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Wonderful. Then people need to go check out your book and, yeah. and, and we'll put all those links in the, in the bio and, and, uh, and anything else. So that's awesome. Lisa, thank you so much. Awesome. Lisa, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Lisa.